0: Today's podcast is brought to us by Patreon supporter Greg Smirdell. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation, check out schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we also have another sponsor.
1: Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians at all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage or to fill out an ambition on their bucket list just to be a part of the comedy. Comedy business. Go to cleancomedychallenge.com for more details. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Be a part of the comedy train. Woohoo!
2: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by School of Laughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
0: Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Roberts, and thanks again to our sponsors, The Clean Comedy Challenge. You definitely want to take advantage of that, all that great resource of comedic knowledge in one place for a couple days with specific feedback. Who wouldn't want that? And thanks again to Greg Smirdell for supporting us through Patreon, which is just a monthly kind of a tip jar for the podcast. If you enjoy it and you like to offset some of the costs for as little as 5 or $6 a month, you can do that. At the $7 a month level or more, you actually get to participate in a lot of cool things, including Club 52, which is a weekly email designed to help you take your career further faster. And you get to hang out once a month on a conference call online. We use the Zoom platform We just did that last week. So if you're a member of Club 52 and you missed it, you can pick that up at the Patreon.com website and download the the recorded call so you don't miss anything that way. So very cool. Uh, One thing I forget to mention pretty often is that uh, we have an insider tip sheet. And if you're not a member of that email list, you want to get on that ASAP. I include uh, different blog posts. Sometimes I don't post these on the actual SchoolOfLast.com site, so they're kind of exclusive. And also, each month when that comes out, you get 15 to 20 stories online, links to different stories online all about stand-up comedy, the profession, the business of it, and uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. So the Insider Tip Sheet is free. You can just send an email to schooloflast at gmail.com and put Insider Tip Sheet subscribe in the subject line, and you'll be all signed up. Hey, today we've got a great podcast episode with a couple of my current students. Actually, we just wrapped up the writing class last week, and a couple guys stuck around afterwards. I picked my brain. They're just beginning comedy, very first steps of comedy, and they asked some great questions, and I thought, you know what? When they're asking questions, these may be questions you're asking yourself, too, and you wish you had somebody to answer them. Well, I answered them, gave them my take anyway, and we're going to cover that here in a second. All kinds of great questions these two guys gave me. Uh, it's Jason Pageant and Clark Davis, and they asked me specifically about tips for developing characters in your set, uh, especially when they're real people, maybe family members. How far do you go with the descriptions and the honesty of it? How much room do you have to exaggerate? We talk about how much new jokes you should put or how many new jokes you should put in your set each week and when you should think about setting them to the side. I talk about the benefit of just getting down a three to five-minute set initially and working on that as a first-timer's goal. Uh, All kinds of great stuff. What to do when you have a bad set, what the good thing about a bad set is, uh, why new jokes sometimes get the biggest laughs, and how to find success in the struggle of stand-up comedy. All that, plus a good goal for your first year in stand-up coming up right now. Let's get to the interview with Jason Pageant and Clark Davis, two of my current School of Last students. Welcome back to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here. Today I'm with a couple of students after a writing class and uh, they had a few questions. I thought, hey, if I'm going to answer them for them, probably somebody else out there has the same question. So we'll jump right into it. First off, tell us your name, a little bit about yourself, maybe why you took the class and then the question.
2: My name is Jason Padgett and I took the class because I'm interested in pursuing stand-up comedy, see what's going to happen with it. Uh, I've always been interested in it, and so I decided to I found your class online, so I was like, "Hey, I'm moving to Nashville, so let me just go ahead and take it. Oh, cool. So that's what happened with that one.
0: <laughs> good deal. good deal. and what's what's on the back of your mind right now after going through the writing class and kind well, of getting a little little into it?
2: Yeah, uh, I feel like I feel like my writing is gonna be a lot of like character bases about people in my life. like w- for one, my dad, is going to be a huge part of it just because he's a character in himself. Uh, and I just want to know, like, when I go to develop the characters, like, what what kind of things do I pull from and emphasize? Like, for one thing, he has this really bad twitching thing he does all the time. Like, he's always twitching. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, <laughs> he's always got, like, body Tourette's. So, it's like, but it's, it's just it's just funny how he does it and so i just want to know like how do you build a strong character by taking those uh i guess character flaws that they have
0: yeah different ticks and things they have that make them who they are well i think just the way you describe it up front lets them know that you're not making fun of them i'm just telling you how this guy is yeah you know so you know saying he's got like body Tourette's is is a good way of being funny about it you know Mm -hmm. maybe even you could write your own clinical term for it, you know, like, okay, like, yeah, like skeletal Tourette's or something like that, or yeah, something. Well, it could be funny, like, uh, he would start off with mild Tourette's, and that that came from like his knees and his hips, yeah, but it worked his way up the body, you yeah. know, you could just make up some kind of thing to help the yeah. audience visualize. So, w- yeah, when he starts, you know, really freaking out with everything above his shoulders okay. and stuff, it's yeah. like that's when you knew you were in trouble, yeah, 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 yeah. and then, um, I see. Yeah, and I would just really – and then give some examples of the different levels. So, you could – okay. there's another three jokes you can write right there. Is like, you know, so when it was mild, it would start from down here. Something like this would happen. But yeah. then you escalated a little bit. Okay. Uh, and then you might say, too, like – I mean, just put yourself – If so, I don't know your dad. So, I would just start asking questions. I would have a friend ask you questions about your dad. Okay. So, like, would he treat everybody in the family the same way with this? Or did he dial it back for – your mom, or do you have a sisters or anything? I have a sister, yeah. So, would he treat her differently? And if so, how would it manifest in
2: conversation I just, I with think her? It was, yeah, it was always just a thing of stress. But I, I know you probably asked me rhetorically, but... <laughs> no, no, I want to know. Like, Oh, you know. yeah, he would, he would kind of... It was just... Whenever he would... It would flare up whenever he would kind of get stressed out. And so, I was usually a huge stressor of that because I had ADHD. And so, I still do. But there would be a lot of things that I would... Not complete or do the right way or forget that he told me what to do, and so he would just. And it's very hard trying to take him seriously when he's yelling at me and he's like twitching. Yeah. And stuff. So. Well, but,
0: and that's a good place to throw in a comparison, like <laughs> yeah. looking at looking at him when he was like blank, blank, blank. Yeah, yeah. Throw yeah. so, throw in a comparison of who he looks like, so people can dial that in. Yeah. You mentioned that you were a cause of a lot of that stress. Yeah. So we we should know some of those stories behind. Look, and and starting young all the way up to even nowadays, okay. what stresses them out? Okay. Like the parts that have never changed. Yeah. Uh, maybe the parts that have gotten better, but you've got two different things you can talk about right there.
2: Well, I do know that I, I live with him right now, so there's a lot of funny things that, like I have a I have one two little brothers. One is he's a special needs kid, and then the other one he's just a normal twelve year old, and the normal twelve year old like I look at and I'm just like dude let me try to like just the other day i was trying to help him navigate because he's running his mouth with my dad and he's making my dad angry and i'm like no dude don't do that like you, he's at level three twitching like what we just talked about right <laughs> like, right it's like you don't want to know what's coming next you know so but so there's a lot of those it's just funny because i think about that like like wow dude it's like I, I was in your spot at one time like i know
0: what i'm talking about so yeah no, that's cool. So you can put yourself in the position of like a coach or a referee or something like that. Saying, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so look, you know, time out for us. Let I me mean, go. Yeah, this yeah. is how you deal with this situation. Then you bring it back yeah, in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's, so you're helping your dad, but you're also helping the kid. Yeah. And then that defines you to the audience a little bit. Like you are a guy who likes to help. Mm-hmm. You agitate some people and cause some trouble, but you're also trying to solve it.
2: Yeah. yeah. So
0: that gives them a little glimpse into who you are.
2: Okay, that's really cool. I like that.
0: Yeah, and then I would just uh, explore it, man. Be Use some real examples if they're if the audience is comfortable with real examples. If they're too real they're not comfortable, you can dial it back yeah. to something more comical. But the more you can make it a, a visual and like a real story then a million jokes would come out of that, and then your dad could really pop back into any situation that you yeah. talk about on stage and give his two cents. With the, and it, all you have to do is move the shoulders or do the tick, <laughs> and we know who he is.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: So yeah. it'd be something like, or as my dad would say, you know, you start doing the old, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's really funny when you, when you look at him and he starts thinking, and he's just like,
0: you can see it building yeah, up in his body.
2: Yeah, he just it just kind of like builds up and builds up, and then he finally finishes because he's 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 a very introverted person. I'm extro- extrovert, which is funny in its own sense because he doesn't really say what he's thinking and i tend to oversay sometimes you're
0: like the odd couple yeah
2: <laughs> yeah really yeah yeah very much so so but it's just uh the twitching thing it's just it's always been funny to watch him just kinda of get into it.
0: Yeah, I mean just watching now, he's I would describe him as like an emotional volcano. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. you know, you see it building up, you see the smoke coming out of his ears and eventually the Yeah, you know, the yeah. lava comes spewing out. Yeah. And you're trying to like calm your little brother down yeah. before it gets to the lava stage. Yes, exactly. You know. Like around your house there's like sixteen small islands just because of your dad's eruptions, you know. <laughs> You deal that with the fallout and the ash. There's no vegetation.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can go all deep into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right.
3: I'll uh, make note of all that.
0: Yeah. It's good stuff. All right. I got another student here.
3: Uh, my name is Clark Davis. Uh, I've just found a lot in my spare time. I would try to watch, you know, every episode of comedy shows, watch comedy stand up specials all the time, and I've always consider myself kind of funny in conversation, but and I enjoy making people laugh. And I'd never uh, had a good. I had a good time writing jokes like I would try and I would just be like these are garbage I can't I can't figure it out and maybe I should take a writing class and so I just googled it and there you were in in Nashville and I tell you after one class you know it just like something broke and it was just you gave me some setups to work with and I thought, well I can bounce off this like I would in a conversation and then you know I can just write these standalone jokes that these other people didn't know the setups and uh, it's great so I'd like to pursue this uh, long term if possible it keeps on working out.
0: Yeah, excellent. And you've turned in some great work, so it's been fun for me on thank this you, end. Thank you. It's not always the case. Sometimes you get some
3: jokes back. Oh you're yeah. like, I got to give feedback uh, to this. Man. So
0: you should pursue songwriting. Yeah. Because this,
3: this, <laughs> None of these are funny. This <laughs> just yeah. made
0: me cry. I want to drink a beer. So <laughs> maybe you should be a country star. So what's uh? I mean, you can have multiple questions, but what's the top of your mind as far as uh, Well, moving forward.
3: I'm trying to hit the ground running. I've attended some open mic nights. I've performed at a few, and uh, I'm starting to hit that where I'm going to go to the same ones again and try to perform again. Uh, I was gonna ask how often do you need to rotate out or in new jokes uh, can, is it is it acceptable or applauded to do the same five minutes even if it's working or you know how, how often do you switch out your jokes how often do you do new material at uh, at different comedy clubs and with different groups.
0: Yeah, so it it always feels weird going back to the same place the next week. You you, you feel like everybody in the audience is the exact same audience that was there the previous week. Mm-hmm. There's just that natural feel of that. And of course some of the comics will have been there the previous week, so you feel like, "Oh, I got to make these guys laugh a different way." But in reality, you you do want to keep working on jokes until you get them to where they're super consistent. And if you can make them consistently get last, even with people who have seen the jokes before, you know you've got a really strong bit going there. Sure. So the first thing I would think about is just like you know, is this is this joke the best it can be now? And if it is, maybe you, you set that aside and work something else in there to kind of keep it fresh for you and for the audience. Um, and also identifying those jokes that are working for maybe the the first time you step into a new open mic, you want to bring those tried and true jokes back to kind of. Establish that you're funny at that particular venue Mm -hmm. in front of those because there'll there'll be some comics that don't cross-pollinate all the different open mics here in Mm -hmm. town So you take the best stuff from the previous and you work it into the new club or the new open mic Uh, In the business class. I talk specifically about when you get your first chance to go to the comedy club to zanies and get on stage I would I would wait till you feel like you're way over ready, you know And then you go in there with your tried-and-true stuff. That's worked the past six eight months solid 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 so when you go in there and you hit the ball out of the park doing a three- or four-minute set, and they have you come back, then you can show them a different three- or four-minute set because you've got some time developed. If you come back in a few weeks and do the exact same set at the club, it's not going to be a horrible thing uh, as long as it gets a good reaction the second time. Sure. But it's always nice to show them a little something different every time. So subconsciously, they're thinking, oh, this guy's been here three times this year. He's done a different five minutes every time. He could probably MC. I've seen 15 different minutes that's, that works. So it's... it's but you don't get that right off the bat. You have to get those tight in the open mic. So I'd mm-hmm. I'd be working on three to five-minute sets constantly until you got it tight. And then that's the one chunk that you can put into your A-room set You're, your, you know, when you go to a comedy club or do an open mic at one. Sure. Um, other than that, you know, and I would long-term want to keep working in new material. There's always going to be material in your set that's not as strong as the other. And you know it, and sometimes on a good night all, everything's going to work. And then on the on the really really hard nights, only your best jokes will work. Yeah. And those are when you know that these are my top jokes, and you'll you know the sh- the spotlight will really shine on those jokes that aren't getting a laugh in a really tough night, and may draw attention to them that you haven't even noticed before. Like these usually get a laugh, but in a, on a really hard crowd, they didn't. Well. Only your best jokes yeah, work on a hard night. At that point, yeah, yeah, so maybe you want to pull those back out. You thought they were finished, but you go back and work them up to where they're super solid, even in, even in front of the toughest shows. But anytime you're adding the new stuff in, it's going to benefit you. If you just look at the open mic as an experiment, and you're not you're not attached to getting the adoration from the crowd, you're just looking for where the laughs are, then every set is a it's going to be a winning situation because you're getting results from the experiment that you can fix later. You Either got the positive results of laughter, you got the dead silence where you need. Didn't and you know that's where I need to go work on. So if you're if you're paying attention to it just from that, it really takes all the pressure off of being the favorite comic that night, which is the thing we all gravitate to when we first oh, yeah. start. Yeah. I did. I mean, I wanted to be the funniest guy every time I went up. So I so I held on to my best jokes for too long. Mm. I should have been way more willing early on to go up there and just fail miserably, but try out a big chunk of stuff at a time. So. Okay. Yeah, so even now for me, I, there's some places I will go where they'll give me 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a comedy club, but it's it's got that expectation of the laughs, and I just go in there and I do two jokes up front that I know are funny. I say, okay, I'm I'm an open micer just like everybody else here. These are new jokes, so mm-hmm. let the expectations lie right there. And let's let's find out are they funny or not.
3: Yeah, I guess the the tried and true jokes can be kind of the litmus test of the room because, like you said, if you have a really dead room and you do your best joke and it's like, uh huh. Then you know, you can tell a new joke, and it might still be good, but nobody really responded. But if they laugh a whole lot at the beginning, you're like, okay, this should be a pretty sensitive response.
0: Yeah. And on the same lines, uh, you do want to do jokes enough to where you know what the average response is. You might do it one night, and it kills. and You think, okay, put it in the good notebook. It's you know, This is tried and true. But it was just magic that night, or mm-hmm. the crowd was super easy that night. Uh, the other thing you'll notice, if, and if you record stuff, typically the first time you knew, do a new joke... The first time you do a new joke right, the laugh you get from that is going to be the biggest laugh you hear in your entire show, Mm. even against your tried-and-true stuff. And I've always wondered if that's actually the truth or it's just the way you internalize it as a comic because you're like, oh, this worked finally. It killed. But a lot of times it's because you delivered it. You really want it to work, so you're delivering it the way it should work, and you're really focused on it, and it stands out. Then you kind of coast on your tried-and-true stuff, and you're doing it the way you kind of remember doing it and it doesn't pop as much. Yeah. But most comics, especially experienced comics, will tell you sometimes the newest joke is the biggest laugh they have. And then that's reassuring and reaffirming that I should be writing new material.
3: Absolutely. I've uh, taken the habit of, so far, recording the sets that I do, and I'll, I'll realize from stage, I think maybe that joke wasn't very good, I didn't even really get a laugh, but uh, the recording will show there was a laugh, I just didn't hear it, or it was far back in the room. or you know. So it, having that audience member uh, perspective and reviewing it later i I have found to be helpful i may eventually run out of space you know to store all (laughs) these but it's helping so far
0: no and that's a great good point too is a lot of times you're you're so involved on stage with other things like i mean you're looking around the wait Mm -hmm. staff's too loud over here like somebody's walking out this door you don't even you're not really tuned in to the true last and a lot of times uh whatever you thought of the show is probably the opposite like you know like i've had shows where i thought i killed it and i go back and listen the next day especially when i first started because i would record VHS, man.
3: Yep.
0: It was like having to rewind that thing or fast forward, you know, and you see me like staring at the crowd like, where's the laughs? But other times where I thought I did horrible, you know, I just wasn't hearing the laughs that were there. There were laughs. And uh, sometimes the room's not set up to where you hear them very well. So uh, those recordings are priceless. And yeah. lucky for me, my <laughs> there's no device in my house that will play my beginning, my beginning recordings. <laughs> I've still got die some, I've got a chew box full of axle cassettes. And yeah. I'm like... I know those are going to be brutal, but one day I'm going to bust them out and listen to them again.
3: <laughs> find some, maybe find some uh, great A jokes that you've forgotten. You know what? That,
0: I'm going to I'm going to put this out there, and right I'm going to do one podcast where I bring out some really old tapes. There you go. And uh, don't
3: preview them. Just no, them. Just, just pull them, them out, <laughs> play them, and react to them.
0: And because because I started from nothing too, just yeah. like you guys are doing right here, starting from the very beginning, and uh, without the brutal times, there's no good times, you know. And yeah. it's uh, you know, every every success you have is because of some struggle. So when you're struggling, don't stress out about it too much. You know, if you're in the struggle forever, you're probably doing something wrong, but if you if the struggle's there and you're getting some success and there's some struggle, that's good cuz you're going to all that it's like the the struggle is a sandpaper and then 5 years later like, "Look how smooth this thing is now." Mm-hmm. It's like a pinewood derby car. It's like I got this thing down to a toothpick size. I've I've got all the struggle off of this chunk of wood. But yeah, that's the fun of it, I think, is just bringing in the new, see if it's as strong as the old. Uh, And really another way to look at is seeing if your new material is can take the place of a a tried and true thing Like make it audition to get into your act. Yeah, is this good? Is this as good as the stuff? I'm thinking is my tried and true if it is it's in if it's not I'm gonna keep working on it till it is
2: for like guys Like us that are just starting out um, You know, I know you're really big on goals like how what would be a realistic? way to, to set up our goals like you know, okay in six months or Starting out, I'm going to write at least a five minute set and then try to work those out at a open mic nights. So I can do 10 open mic nights. Or, and then by like a year from now, I want to be at Zanies or something like that. Like, how, how would you go about setting your goals?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Cause, and it's going to be different for everybody. But if it was me and I was just starting out, just like you guys here in Nashville, to be specific, I would make sure I was getting on stage at least, at least two times a week. Mm hmm. You know, more if I could, if it it works with the schedule. And only if during those two times I'm really focused on the material or some aspect, you know, like we talked earlier about having a goal within that set of new material or, or paying attention to your delivery or what have you. And then before I went back the next week to those same places, I would listen back. I would tweak the jokes that didn't work. I'd see if I could add something funnier to the jokes that do work. And the first goal I think I would shoot for... You can't particularly put a time limit on it, but I'd be working towards my first solid five minute set. Okay. If it takes you 100 open mics to get there, it takes you 100. If it takes 50, it takes 50. But when you have a, a solid chunk of at least five minutes, you can do something with that. Then you have a five minute tape that you can record. I say tape, but you know, five minute video. Yeah. And by putting that five minute video on Facebook or your website, if you go that far yet, and uh, then you might get some traction with getting some open mic spots in a different town that okay. haven't seen you yet. You know, you might call up somebody in Huntsville, say, I'm coming through town. Uh, can I do five minutes? Like, you got five minutes? Say, I do. I've got a video of it. You want to check it out? If you don't think it's good, then tell me how I work on it. But having five minutes, there's at least a little sample of what okay. you can do. And how fast you get there just depends on how well you write and okay. how well you perform on stage and pay attention to what you're doing with gotcha. it. So that'd be one uh, you might want to try, you know, we talk about writing and performing, but also attending. Like you could have a goal of how many shows you want to pay and go see at Zaney's, um, or anywhere, but you know, since Zaney's is a club in town, i want to make sure once a month I go see a professional show so that you can be in the environment that you eventually want to be in. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of take, you know, subconsciously you're, you're noticing how fast the laughs are coming, how funny the jokes are, how strong the misdirection is, <laughs> You know how relentless the comics are on stage, how quick they get to their first laugh, how they finish the show, uh, how the show builds—all those things—and the whole time you're doing that, even though you're not on stage, uh, the folks that are running the door at Zanies or the waitresses or the the staff, you become a familiar face. You don't even have to tell them you're doing comedy yet, mm. but when you finally get your five or seven minutes, that's killing everywhere you go at these open mics, and you think you're ready for Zanies. Gotcha. Then you pop in or you sign up or you know you get your stage time. You're not a total stranger. And they're like, oh, we've seen this dude before. And if you do well, they're going to be pulling for you. So, right. you know, one of the big problems people have trying to get into comedy clubs is the club won't take your phone calls. They don't know who you are. Yeah. For one. And then if if they do, if you do get through and they want to see something online, they don't have it. So if, if it takes a year, I mean, it sounds like a long time. But mm-hmm. if it takes a year to get a solid five minutes in the bank and on video and all that, that's way better than trying to get in there three months from now with two minutes, you know, then eating it and then never getting back on stage.
2: Now, is there a like, is there a professional, uh, like when it comes to shooting your video, I mean, you don't want to put like a cell phone video up there, do you? Like your best five minutes, would you want to maybe see if someone has like a good HD camera?
0: Any video with good sound? Yeah. The sound's even more important than the okay.
2: video. That's, that was my next question.
0: Is uh, Is, is going to be more beneficial than no video at all? Yeah. And I actually have a podcast coming up pretty soon with the guy who does video, and he's going to give some specific tips. So uh, I'll make sure I let, let you know when that one comes out. Sure. I mean, the great thing now with these 4K videos coming out, these cameras, all the 1080p stuff's going down like 129 bucks. Yeah. And that's still really good.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could probably even do like a good uh, like GoPro, too. I mean, uh, as long as you have like a, a, a lavalier. Lavalier, Mike. Lavalier, lava, 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 Yeah, Yeah, I could say the word. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: I'll 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 give you one quick and dirty tip as far as getting decent audio and sound from a a 1080p recording device, uh, is to set it up in the room where it gets a good mix of the speaker, the PA coming out one side, and the audience on the other. That way you've got it kind of naturally mixed. If you have it too close to the speaker, you're not going to hear the audience. If you have it too close to the audience, you might not hear you coming through the microphone. Mm. But if you go on the club once a month for the past, for the next 10 months, you're going to kind of see where the, the sweet spot is in the, in the room. You're going to see where other comedians are setting up their cameras, mm-hmm. and you'll know where to do it. Oh. Boom goes the dynamite. That's yeah. right. Yeah,
3: that's right. <laughs> I think stealing. I was a, a question. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is joke thievery. If I ever write a joke and hear anyone else do it, it's immediately trash ban. But, uh,. I did kind of think of a a joke about, you know, I was thinking about uh, cover bands, and I was like, there's not really a market for, like, cover comedians, and I was going to start doing maybe a bit about that, where I would sort of impersonate a comedian or two, uh, sort of in light of itself, but I'm like, if I say a comedian's catchphrase, if I get up and say, get her done, or no respect at all, is that, am I stealing? Is that kind of like, just don't even go there, or? That's a good question. Very good
0: question. Uh, First thing, there's been a lot of comics that have done that premise, so...
3: Oh, okay, well then, so there you go. Gone. <laughs> so a, you're on the, C. Point one. So you're on the right yeah. <laughs> track
0: because you're thinking like a comedian. Mm-hmm, yeah. But yeah, the, you know, bands can get up and do other band song. And it's totally people sing along to it, and there's you know, but comics, you do that once and you're labeled a hack forever. Yeah. That's kind of the premise, you know, that they go off of. Um, and then in, in general, even if you're an impression comic, you know, for example, and you're doing line for line something that Roddy Dangerfield did, mm-hmm. but the other comics would look at you which doesn't really matter cuz other comics aren't paying you. Yeah. <laughs> but they may be the ones inviting you to other gigs that right, might right. pay. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind but not the forefront is uh it's it's an easy laugh if you're already doing material that gets a laugh from a comedian who gets a laugh. Mm, yeah. You know, so I, I get flack sometimes I do a Barney Fife impression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when I first started doing that there was other comedians like you're you're being another k- funny person on stage. It's going it's an easy laugh. I'm like, well, if you can do it, like I can do it, you do it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know. <laughs>
3: So and to your credit, you sort of have the same look, anyways. It's it, like you, you got more than just like I can do the boys. I
0: know it's uh, I got I got a quick joke about that. So my wife always wanted to marry a George Clooney impersonator. Instead, <laughs> she got Bernard P. Five <laughs> <laughs> Deputy Mayberry. Uh, and the other joke is uh, well, there's only a few of us Spice, but there's a whole lot of goobers out there. So there yeah, nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, so I took flax from some comics, but a lot of the club manager and stuff are like, man, that's that's one of your strongest bits. Don't let the other comics talk you out of doing it. And then. Over the years, as I've gotten older, I do look a little bit more like him, and there's some decent paying gigs out there that I, I go, where I, I'm not doing my stand-up. I'm just walking around as Barney Fife. I mean, <laughs> wow. it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. It's a good question, but, you know... Yeah, probably... It's an easier laugh if you're doing a tried-and-true joke from another comic, even if you're just doing a tribute to him.
3: Right, yeah. No, that's, that's a good word. If you're going to try and do it, put a, at least put original material in that character. Yeah, yeah.
0: which, I, you know... That's kind of fun to step out of who you are and write for somebody else anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. I tend to. I like Mike Birbig- I Birbiglia. Say. Yes. and You like hard to pronounce comedians. Yes. and Well, Kevin Hart is another one where they. <laughs> tell, <laughs>
3: the hardest name of all time. Yeah.
2: No, that, that one's not hard to say. but uh, Kevin's but, pretty difficult. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I made it I through. I did it. I did it. But no, like the way they tell their jokes is there's very story oriented. And that's the style that I would love to get into because I like to, I mean, I have wrote down a ton of stuff that happened to me as a kid and as a, as a, as in college. And then even as an adult that I know that when I was in this situation, it was like, it was miserable, but it was funny. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I want to bring that to the stage. And I want to bring that as like, introduce these people to these characters in my life that, you know, have developed me to be who I am and the situations that have developed me to be who I am. So, like, you know, these other guys that are topic comics, I think I'm more of like that storyteller mm-hmm. of like, this is what my life has been like. <laughs> right. And I want you to experience my, like, I mean, Kevin Hart did it in his uh, his special Laugh at My Pain where he talked about his his cocaine addict dad and all that stuff. And it was just so funny, but you know, he probably, it was probably a huge struggle for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. My dad's not a cocaine addict, but, uh, I'm just saying that there's just, there's,
0: are you trying to say your dad is Kevin Hart? No. (laughs) Okay.
2: No, no. (laughs) That'd be really weird. (laughs) Big misdirection. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's just like being able to, develop those characters and and tell those stories, and tell those stories that I, that's why I'm excited about the conference is because the CCA conference that we're going to have is because of the, that one, uh,
0: there's a session on taking your real life and killing with yeah, it. Yeah. And
2: killing with the stories. I'm really excited about that because I want to be able to let introduce people to my punchlines, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, I, I guess it's uh, the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, that's good. And, and what I would do too, and you could even do this as well is, um, this, you know, Almost like just take dictation in some of your favorite comics. Like, for Biglia, he has a lot of jokes. Yeah. Because he tells stories, he's very good at hiding where those punchlines are yes. to, to, to the, the non comedy fan that is like, this guy is a funny storyteller. Yeah. But he's a comedian too. Yeah. yeah. He was a comedian first, and that's why his stories are so strong. But I would sit down and, and just write down three or four, maybe five minutes, the first five minutes of one of his, his pr- CDs, mm-hmm. uh, any of his stories. And just write down, circle when he gets a laugh around that word, and then go through, and then come back at all those circle points and see what technique technique he used to oh, get a laugh. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because he's using techniques throughout.
2: Yeah,
0: and that's why the that's why he's he's you know a lot of comics think he's brilliant because he's telling stories. He's he's not really writing jokes. He yeah. is. You just don't realize he is. Yeah, they're there, and by kind of you know writing it out, you'll kind of see how often they're there. Yeah, and I think you'll. It should have some light bulb moments for you as far as telling your own stories. Like, yeah. okay, if I want to be at least as funny as Mike Bigley as far as last per minute, mm-hmm. you know, all the other things are variables, but at least last per minute wise, I need to at least every three sentences have a twist or a turn or a laugh. And I you'll see that. how yeah you'll see how fast he's getting to him. And that's that'd be a great goal to to strive for as, as often as he is. Yeah. And if your stories are as interesting as his and all those other things, then everything else that come along with it, but. You know, I always. It might be good to do actually in this class next time I teach it is put up a comic everybody assumes is just a storyteller. Yeah. And they show, well, well, this is this technique we just talked about. Yeah. And just show, like.
2: Well, now that you're now that you're saying that, I, I'm kind of thinking of some of the jokes that he talks about, like the one where he talks about the scrambler and the, hiring the the sixteen year old pothead to. <laughs> to yeah, run the it. fair. Enough. Yeah, and uh, that's misdirection because you you're thinking like, you know, I'm going to hire someone who's really well. Uh, qualified to run this round, right. but no, we're going <laughs> to...
0: Yeah, the qualifications <laughs> are just, can you show up? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just listened to, uh, on, I had satellite radio on the rental car last week, and they were doing the story about his first kiss, like at the school yes, dance or whatever. Yes, that's my favorite. What? what and he does favorite. a great job at um, telling the story, putting the jokes in, yeah. and then kind of doing a, an aside, like, you know, t- explaining more about the moment, mm-hmm. and then coming back to the moment, and he, then moving he, on to the he next. He builds
2: that tension... And you know, and you're you're kind of waiting, and then he brings in another story to kind of like uh, fill you in on backstory. But right. you're still waiting to hear what happened with the kiss or whatever. You know, yeah. the 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 beginning of the almost the climax of a story, and then.
0: Yeah, and he's he's if you, I guess if you broke down some of these more recent uh, specials he's had, and he's he's almost writing more like it's a a show yes. as opposed to a joke yeah. or a yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. set. So he has all those moments and those different storylines that, that crisscross and collide and come back around. Yeah. And so that's another thing you can do is, you know, pick up a, a screenwriting book and just look at some of the tactics they use mm-hmm. and apply those to your stand up. Cause that's all structure. It's all going to be a good backbone of your show.
2: I mean, I'm not going to lie His, uh the one we're talking about. My girlfriend's boyfriend, like at the end, it may be like, cry because he was talking about how he met his wife and like just it was so like emotional and it was just so like vulnerable and it was just like that's what I want to do I want to be able to tell people my story and touch them on, a, on an emotional level and not like just get up there and just I want them to feel good about their lives and everything mm-hmm. you know by like showing them how I've come through mine you know yeah
0: that's that's super and so that's
2: kind of where I'm
0: at. That's great. I mean, every every comedian has a different angle on it. The the older I get, the more I think if you have a show that has an impact as well as the funny, mm-hmm. then it's it plays to everybody and you you've actually helped people on the side. If you just get up and tell jokes, that's still great because there's people that just need to laugh. They don't need to think. Yeah, yeah. So you've always going to have both. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of audiences out there. Yeah. So you know you've identified already what you want to do. So it's going to help your writing because you're going to pick topics that are you know, painful, but now you've got to the other side or you're still working mm-hmm. through, but found the funny in it.
2: Yeah.
0: And those are, you know, people, people will come back year after year to hear what you got to say about those things.
2: Mm. It's exciting. It's
0: good stuff. <laughs> and you're right at the beginning of
2: it. Like, yeah, that's the most exciting part. You
0: guys are it. smart. Like when I first started, I didn't, I wouldn't have asked any of these questions. I'd be like, uh, when do I get paid? You know, like <laughs> I was so dumb at the beginning, like just trying to get, <laughs>
3: well, that's all because we took Rick, Rick Roberts school of glass <laughs> class. <laughs>
0: That's right. So Good. here's the $5. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. No yeah. I mean, here's the $5. <laughs> Thanks for setting up a five bet, too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that podcast. A lot of fun talking to those two guys. Man, I just I admire the insightfulness they have at this stage of the game where I'm talking about barely have done two or three open mics. I mean, that's such good insight they have. They want to do things the right way. And uh, it's a journey. There's going to be a lot of bumps on the way. But when you ask questions like they do... Man, some of those bumps aren't nearly as bad and severe, and you don't get whiplash. So kudos to both Clark, Dav- Clark Davis and Jason Paget for those great questions. I had a good time talking to them. And uh, I guess now let me give you a couple of things that I want you to know about. Uh, one is the upcoming Christian Comedy Association conference. You heard about the Clean Comedy Challenge. You'll hear about that again here in a second. But the Christian Comedy Association is a group of uh, Christian comics, just what it sounds like. And we gather together once a year and uh, this year, we happen to be in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, where I live. And for a couple of days, we're going long and hard, looking at the the realities of doing clean comedy, Christian comedy, how to get booked more often. We talk about the business processes. We talk about you know getting your Facebook following going, uh, all kinds of great stuff, how to write from your real life and turn it into stuff that kills on stage. And we also have some keynoters coming in, like Ken Davis, uh, Nazareth, and... Uh, Who else? We have Robert G. Lee, all kinds of great guys giving us very specific information. You heard Robert G. Lee on the podcast maybe 10 episodes ago talking about screenwriting and crowd work, and he's going to give a seminar on that just a great time and if you are a christian comic i know some of you listen definitely are not and that's that's your choice but i didn't want to exclude the folks that are and i wanted to let them know about that conference uh if you're listening this on release date the conference is coming up this coming weekend we actually have showcases comedy showcases happening as part of the conference if you just want to pop in and check out that and see what christian comedy looks like uh we have a uh few different locations and times. Let me go over those real quick with you right now so you know about those. And uh, I'll be on one of the shows. Saturday, June 3rd, will be at Life Assembly Church, uh, 555 Pleasant Grove Road, Mount Juliet, Tennessee. That showcase starts at 7 o'clock. Tickets are just $10. And all the money from that show goes to Jake Gulledge's family. Now Jake was part of our membership last year. He passed away just uh, less than a couple months ago and left behind a family. We're going to raise money to pass on to that family on Saturday June 3rd in Mount Juliet at Life Assembly. Uh, you can check out the ChristianComedyAssociation.com website for ticket information on that. Sunday, June 4th, we're going to be at Oasis Church, which is just south of Nashville, uh, straight down Nolensville Road, just past Bell Road if you're in the area. And that show also starts at 7 o'clock. We're going to have over a dozen comedians on that showcase. Uh, it's going to be a great show. I mean, we've got Mike Williams, Taylor Mason, Alton Walker, I mean, just I could go on and on, and I, and I will until I look around and see where my promo is. <laughs> no, but it's gonna be a great show. You want to check that out again, you can go to Association dot com to find out about ticket prices. And then on Monday night, back at Life Assembly in Mount Juliet, uh, our newer members compete during the day Monday for a spot to perform Monday night at our showcase. Again, that's open to the public. You don't have to attend the entire conference to have tickets to that. But if you do attend the entire conference, you have tickets to all these showcases. All that can be found at Christian Comedy Association.com. If you have questions about that, you can shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com, and I'll fill you in all that good stuff. If you are interested in attending the conference, uh, shoot me an email at a different email address, Christian Comedy Association at gmail.com, and I'll make sure you get the info quickly so you can make a decision on whether you want to attend this year or not. What else can I tell you, folks? It's been a, a fun uh, spring summer is right around the corner, and one of my goals for this summer is to close out some iTunes reviews. I need to get to a hundred. We're sitting at ninety-seven. I will like to read one right now from uh, Preacher Comic. Came in on May twenty-fifth. Says Rick gives multiple insights into the world of comedy. Whether he's drawing from his decades of personal experience as a comic or interviewing another comic for their insights, you will hear helpful information when you listen. He is a gracious and authentic interviewer. His humor and kindness are apparent and enjoyable. Give it a listen, or better yet, subscribe. Hey, thank you, Preacher Comic, for leaving that iTunes review. That is review number 97. I need three more to hit that 100 mark. Uh, Feel free to jump in there and give me that last two or three reviews, and it'll make my whole summer. Don't forget, sign up for that insider tip sheet, schooloflast at gmail.com. And now one last word from one of our sponsors.
1: Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend and I'm here to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians of all levels for a chance to work on a real comedy stage with an added church venue at each location. Past attendees include Dude. Johnny W., Claiborne Cox, Marty Simpson, Andy Benango, Mike Paramore, Charlene May, and Todd Justice. So if you work clean or just want to work clean, go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Remember, there's no auditioning, limited space, early fee before May 1st. Come on, get on board the cleancomedychallenge.com. Try Rain.
2: Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolOfLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.